Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen? And so are you! <laughs> Hello again, my beautiful Screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 96, and tonight, it's day four of the Halloween movie marathon. And for your entertainment pleasure, I have picked another crapshoot selection. This time, it's a little... Modern slasher movie called Hayride. And that's hay, like the, you know, the stuff that you grow in bales and stuff. Not like the hay that I was talking about earlier, but you know what I meant. You know what I meant. Now, before we get down to business, I just want to say I apologize. I apologize. I did not get that episode to you that I promised. The one where I was going to talk about unspeakable films. But it was a particularly grueling day. Working at the Jekyll and Hyde Club because, well, it's Halloween week. So everybody's there, and plus the Chamber of Horrors, our year-round haunted attraction, is finally open. So there's all that business, and it was just crazy, and of course we were understaffed. So I got home last night, and I was done. D-U-N. Done. Oh, by the way, thank you, Metropolitan Transit Authority, for... Scheduling all this weekend subway repair so that my trip home takes an extra hour. Fuck you. Anyway, enough of that bad stuff. It's time for the good stuff. Or maybe it's good stuff that's bad stuff or bad stuff that's good stuff. Because we don't know. You never know. Because that's what the crapshoot is all about. So, enough of my babbling. Let's play a little apropos music and get down with the boogity. Which actually is another movie, but it's not that movie that we're... T- Shut up. Shut up! My mama said we would love it Something they did long ago It's time for the crap shoot! <laughs> Paul? 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 Oh. Ew, 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 ew. Now, long-term listeners of the show will know that the crap shoot is the segment of the program where I dive headfirst into that vast sea of direct-to-DVD horror movie releases 
in search of that diamond in the shit pile. And the question on everybody's mind, did I find it today? Well, I'm not going to say just yet. Now, I know you're all thinking, Patrick, didn't you just do a movie about a haunted hayride? Yes, I did. But this movie is not that movie, and that movie is not this movie. This movie is Hayride from 2012. And, well, it's kind of self-explanatory. There is an escaped lunatic, serial killer, on the loose, who finds himself at a haunted hayride attraction on Halloween night. And I think you can figure out what goes on from there. Yeah, so this is a very low-budget film, and I went in with absolutely zero expectations. And the question you're all asking now is, but were your expectations met? Or was it even worse than that? Well, my beautiful, beautiful, beautiful weirdos, you're going to have to wait until after I play the trailer. There's a legend around here that a farmer killed his family, just snapped one day and started to kill him. Southern fried horror. That's it. Where you go, has it harder than it's been before? Southern fried horror, indeed. Now, the reason that I picked this one, I, I spotted it on Amazon Prime the same time I saw The Hollow on there. And it was a toss up about which one I was going to watch. But since the Headless Horseman has always been one of my favorite monsters, sorry, he's going to win. He's a neck ahead of the competition. He won by a, by a neck. Uh, forget it. I don't know sports. I don't know horse racing. So I don't know why I even made that joke. But anyway, Hayride was the second choice. And even though I just covered something about Hayride, it was calling to me just because it's about one of my second favorite things which is people running haunted attractions. As you know, I used to design them for the city of uh, Albany when I was in college, did it for years. 
And I've always appreciated the art of it and the kind of work that has to go behind the scenes to make everything happen. And I've always thought it would be a terrifying place to set a horror movie. Particularly Hayride. I've worked on one um, in upstate New York, the same place where they do the uh, New York Renaissance Fair at, at Sterling Forest. And, you know, you'd be out there, I'd be out there by myself, you know, in the weeds in a werewolf costume or something. And, you know, you're waiting for the next wagon and you start to just notice it's how dark it is out there. And, you know, you hear somebody coming on the path, but you can't see because you don't have a flashlight and they don't, like, you're assuming it's somebody that, you know, somebody from the, that you work with is coming to give you a message or maybe it's not. And any noise, you're like, oh, what was that? And of course, me being me, my imagination goes wild. I'm like, of course, now I'm like, I'm stalking the forest. Blah. I'm going to hunt my prey. Blah, blah. And then like a chipmunk will jump out and I'll be like, yeah, like that. So it's, this, this is prime for me. So even though I saw that this was a very low budget production that I had not heard of at all, I figured I'd give Hayride a chance. And... It is very low budget, and it's, well, I, I really hate to have to say this, because I really enjoyed it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. It's quite a surprise. Now, let me tell you a couple of things up front. Now, I'm not spoiling anything here. They do something that I admire, that... A Sam Raimi kind of thing. Not that they're like breaking that kind of barrier, but I'm just saying they do the best that they can with what they have. They strive to do the absolute best and they'll do anything to make it happen. So maybe some things don't look as great as some of the others, but you can feel the love that went into this and the imagination and just the, the craftsmanship. Because even though it's low budget, it doesn't mean the people behind the camera were untalented. Because the script is good. The direction is good. The photography, a lot of it's beautiful. And the score is very, very impressive. You know, I was expecting some cheesy keyboard thing, but it sounds, it might not be, but it sounds like it's a full orchestra. And given that it's all set in rural Alabama, a lot of it's got that, you know, swamp tone. Not even though I don't have swamps in Alabama, but you know what I mean? It's got this, you know, back road country feel to the music and that all just feels right. And I liked it. Now, those of you younger folk might not have the patience for this movie because it takes a really, really, really long time to get going. But for me, being me, this was one of the reasons I liked it, because as a result, you really get to know some of these characters. And even though the ones you don't get to know very well, you understand where they fit in things and their connection to everybody else. Because unlike most modern horror movies, this is amazing. There is not a single unlikable character in this whole movie. And on the other hand, as well, there isn't even a you know, stock character in this. You know, there isn't the the jock and there isn't the slut and there isn't the nice girl and there isn't, I don't know, the practical joker. There's none of that. It's just these group of people. And the thing is, they're all doing it for this guy known as, you know, Captain Morgan. He runs the hayride every year. You know, it's one night a year and he spends tons of money 
and it gets better and better every year. This is what he loves, and evidently this whole family is like that. Uh, the story centers on um, uh, one of the boys coming back. You know, he's been off in college, and I guess he's living in the big city now. He's bringing his girlfriend home. You know, his his beautiful, sexy, you know, um, urban girlfriend. No, not urban, but you know, just her, her city slicker girlfriend home to meet the country folk that is his family. And he says to her at one point, he's like, well, you know, I wanted to be home for the holidays. And she's like, what holiday? He said, well, Halloween is kind of a big thing with my family. And it's because of this. And so the majority of the characters are the people that are working at this uh, haunted hayride. And it's mostly family. And if it's not family, it's friends that are close enough to be family. And they're all working together on this one project for somebody that they love. It's a labor of love for someone they love. And that's what the whole movie felt like. And that was really working for me. I liked everybody. And even though some of the acting isn't brilliant, some of it isn't even good, it was working because of the connection that I was feeling, this warm, fuzzy feeling that there was around the central cast. And I didn't really want to see bad things happen to them, even though when they do, they really do. Now, the standout is, unfortunately, I don't have the IMDb up in front of me. Uh, the standout here is the uncle, Captain Morgan. Like, when you first see him, you're like, okay, mullet, you know, working on his truck. And, you know, you're like, okay, kind of, this guy's going to be kind of stupid. But really, he's quite spectacular, this man. He, first of all, I noticed he's got kind of a Bill Murray thing going on, like an older, kind of heavier Bill Murray thing going on in the face. Not in his attitude, but when he sits down at the campfire and he starts to spin the story of the legend of Pitchfork, it's mesmerizing. Now, Pitchfork is the star character of the Hayride. They bring it back every year, and it's based on a local legend of somebody that went crazy and because his daughter ran away and just took it out on everybody. Went to everybody's, all the neighbors' houses and killed them all, and now he's believed to you know, still stalk the woods around his house and yada, 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 yada. Which is the other thing that's great because you also get the big scary house trope in this. You get the hayride, you get the slasher and the bad place. The very bad place where you should not go. And like all of these things working together just gave it a nice warm fuzzy for me because like the hayride itself, this is, you know, a rural country hayride put on by non-professionals. So when you actually get to go through the hayride and there's a haunted house attached as well, it's not spectacular. You know, it's your standard silly things. But the thing is, they're, it's, it's, they work. You know, you see the people on the ride like, ah, and they're screaming and laughing like they're supposed to do. And you go in the haunted house and the walls are made of, you know, torn plastic and cardboard and there's some, you know, dope in a mask running around with a chainsaw on, but still, you, you see the delight on everybody's face and said that it's working. You know, they're like the movie makers, they seem to be doing the best they can with what they have to do the job. It's working at the Hayride, it's working on the Haunted House, and for me, it worked in this movie. So when the Hayride starts to turn bad, I just, I, I really, I, I'm sorry, I didn't really like this movie. I can't talk about it without spoiling because I want people to see it. Now, that much said, there are some problems. There's very little gore. 
if that's what you're going in for, there's very little gore. And I thought it was very clever the way they worked around this because this director and the, uh, the camera dude, what do you call it, the direct, uh, director of photography, clearly have an eye for style. They get around things with stylish ways of avoiding, you know, knife in flesh, but yet still conveying the horror of having one of these characters lost. By the way, there's a really cute little uh, red bear in this, but unfortunately he's not in it for long before he gets sledgehammered to death. And I was like, darn it. Darn it. Bad pitchfork. Bad. But anyway, sometimes when, later on in the movie, when they show the special effects, you're like, ooh, I wish I hadn't seen that. I'm not giving anything away, but there's a pitchfork death in the neck where clearly there's no blood and it's the neck. And you know, But you know what? If you look past it, it's fine. If you think of it like the haunted hayride, you look past seeing the strings on the bats in the trees or whatever it is or noticing that, you know, the giant spider dropping on you is clearly made of styrofoam. You just don't. It doesn't matter. It didn't for me. And damn it, it shouldn't for you. A lot of the things that make it work, too, is that I like the main couple. I like the guy who went away and has come home. And I like his girlfriend, who is beautiful. And by the way, in the end battle, when she's running around with some blood splattered on her, this is gay man from, you know, giant gay man here saying she looked hot. It was perfectly splattered, and like she had that animal look, and I'm like, girl? Woof. Very nice. And speaking of woof, there's cousin... There's cousin Corey. See? <laughs> cousin Corey's hot. Cousin Corey's so hot he made my voice break. He did it again. It's twice cousin Corey. He showed up, I'm like, hi, cousin Corey, how you doing? And Corey, hey, actor Steve, uh, Jeremy Sand, if you come back for Hayride 2, take your damn shirt off, god damn it. Make it happen. The way they incorporated the tricks, you know, the, 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 the blurring the lines between the fiction of the hayride and all of a sudden, hey, that guy coming at the cart, the hay cart with the chainsaw is actually a real person. Blurring those lines were, was very, very effective. And that's where the gore comes in. And that's where some of the really big shocks come in. And I really, really enjoyed this movie. I think it's worth seeking out. It was a wonderful Halloween surprise. And I'm so happy to share it with you. It's so nice to find something, a little gem twinkling out there. And um, thumbs up to Low Budget Productions. This is, this is, anybody making a movie should take a look at this one and learn how to do things. Okay, the other thing that I didn't like, okay, okay, early on I thought I was in trouble because there's a scene where it's raining really hard and clearly they were using like some Windows Movie Maker kind of generic computer effect to make rain that is clearly just like little white lines going but again they don't use it often and when it's okay they're doing what they can with what they have but that much said this beautiful if you've got if you've got the opportunity to shoot in a place that when the sun sets the sky turns blood red you damn well use that and they do there's a scene early on too it's just a shot of a huge thunderstorm starting to roll over the field where the hayride is. And it's stunning. And there's lots of that throughout the movie. It's a story. It's a familiar story that's very, very well told. Recommend it. Find it. If it's not on Netflix, fucking write them and complain. Buy it. Just get it. Just get it and see it. I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. I've run out of steam. I'm you know, I'm loving doing this horror movie marathon. But between like my shows and work and rehearsals, good lord, I'm tired. I'm tired, and that's why I'm happy I'm finding gems for you, okay? So I hope you're goddamn appreciative, which I think you are. Which I think you are. Why do you think that, Patrick? I'll tell you why. Because for the fourth year in a row, Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent, has been nominated for the People's Choice 
Best Gay and Lesbian Podcast Awards. And thank you. That is for that is that is because of you guys. Yay! Big round of applause for yourself. Okay, now an even bigger one for me. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Ah, yes, thank you. Voting isn't going to start till uh, November 1st, so I'll be yelling more about that later in like two days when I'm still doing another goddamn show for your people. But you know what? Apparently you're worth it. Let's bring daddy home the gold this time. And hey, keep those stories coming in, those phone calls and stories. The voicemail is working, but now the email is not working. So you can call me if you don't know what I'm talking about. I'm asking listeners to call in. With stories of their favorite haunted attractions that they've seen, something cool that they've seen this year, a good hayride or haunted house, or even a bad one, or I don't know, some great Halloween story from your history, the time you, sh- I don't know, made somebody pee their pants when they, I, I don't know. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. I want to hear it. And uh, for the Halloween episode, I'm turning the reins over to you guys. It's going to be all your stories. So please bring them on. And you could call them in now at 347-767-3509. For now, until it gets fixed, Mr. Brad is on that. Uh, I guess post them as messages to the Facebook fan page, which is Scream Queens Horror Podcast. If you're on Facebook, go to Scream Queens Horror Podcast and leave it there. And Or instant me, inst- you know, private message me, and I'll send you my email. And you could either tweet me at Scream Queens. And, of course, that's Queens with a Z. Or do it through Facebook or just whatever. Just get the word to me so I can share your story with the world. Don't you love it when I sing these little ditties? Clearly, because you voted for me. You nominated me. La, 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 la. I'm going to win the competition. No, I won't. I won't. It's throwing shade again. They're back in. And so is Feast of Fun. You can't win against those guys. But you know what? It's going to be fun trying. So until next time, kids, I have no idea. Actually, I do have an idea of what I'm doing in the next few days. I've seen some interesting theatrical productions in the past week. Horror-based theatrical productions, uh, Halloween stories, and I'm having some of the people on who brought those productions to the area to talk about them and share some of the things with you. I think you're going to like it. It'll be a little change from the movies. And uh, see, I'm running out of steam, girls and boys. And girls, whatever you want to say. So until next time, just continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, my grandmama will be back for Halloween and she probably has something really disgusting to say because she hasn't been on a show in a really long time. Dirty old bitch. I go hunting for witches. Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> now, as those of you who've been listening for a long time know, you know that I am a member of the New York City Gay Men's Chorus, and I'm back with them for another season, but that is not the point of the conversation. Right now, I want to talk a little gay chorus history. (laughs) Settle down. You'll like this. Uh, Two seasons ago, it was the first day of rehearsal. Now, when you join the chorus for the first time, you're assigned a buddy, someone who's been there for a few years. And the reason for this is it could be overwhelming. There's 280 gay men in one room, which is terrifying enough. But then it's 
Okay, this 280 game man, here's 500 pages of music that's in seven different languages and five, six, seven, eight, go. Oh, by the way, learn the choreography. And everybody knows each other and we've all been singing together forever and people can get lost or just shut down or just get overwhelmed. It's very easy. So you're assigned a buddy to help cushion the blow. It's the guy who walks you around, introduces you to people, who calls you during the week and just says, hey, how's it going? When you start to panic about learning music, you just have to keep saying, it's okay. It'll be okay. Trust me. It's always okay. You'll be fine. Anyway, this is not about my buddy. My buddy was Jack, and he was great. We love Jack. Jack's still with the chorus. But there was a point where our leader, Charlie, said, I want everyone this way, I want I want everyone to spend the next minute or so turning and saying hello to someone with whom you are not already acquainted. You know, it just spreads the love a little more, breaks a little bit more of the ice. So I turned to the man immediately to my left, who was also a new member. And he's this older gentleman. You're this big, bumbling, oaf-looking of a guy. As a matter of fact, he kind of reminded me of Bumble from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer cartoon. You know, their version of the abominable snowman. For some reason, he was giving off that kind of a vibe. You know, he has little glasses on. They're kind of crooked. And I turned to this big, bumbling oaf and said, Hi, I'm Patrick. Nice to meet you. And he looks at me and says, That's my name, too. I'm also Patrick. And I said, Oh. Well, you must be great. I said, oh, well, you must be a great person. He says, I am. We should form a club. I said, we should. And we did. And on that day, the Patrick Club was formed. Now, membership in the Patrick Club was very easy. You just had to be named Patrick. Because that immediately made you amazing. And as the founding chairman of you know, as the, co- as the founding co-chairs of the Patrick Club, we had rules, you know, things like you can never, you can't be in a conversation with like more than three Patricks at once because that's just too much awesomeness. Like other people might get hurt. Just so for the safety of others, trying to keep, you know, no more than three Patricks in the immediate, immediate vicinity at any one time because you will probably just blow up or, you know, spontaneously combust from our combined awesomeness, you know? And... He became a really good friend. This guy, he was a bumbling oaf. Ah, uh, you caught me. I stripped over my own words. I used the past tense. The man was named Patrick Dearborn. And he passed away over the summer, I found out when I came back this season. And I was heartbroken. Because he had died over the summer and didn't want a whole lot of mussing and fussing about it. So it was a simple service. Uh, it was for the family. And that was that. And man, that hurt. And the thing I loved about Patrick, Patrick was this, like I said, he was a curmudgeon. He had something to complain about all the time if you didn't listen to him carefully. When you listen to him carefully, I realized this is a guy who grew up in the New York area. I think he was from New Jersey. Yeah, he was from New Jersey. So this guy was your typical Yankee. He said whatever was on his mind. And in his heart, he just blurted out, no matter who was around. He didn't give a shit. Plus, he's like, I'm 60 plus years old. And fuck you. I'm saying whatever I want. So every week, it was the same things. Like, oh, my God, there's so much choreography. I'm not going to be able to do all this. Jesus fucking Christ. I can't do this. And why do we have to have rehearsal all the way up here on 88th Street? I hate it up here. There's no parking. I like it better down where I'm... 
13th Street. There's always some place to park at 7 o'clock. I know, Patrick, we have this conversation every week. And it was like that all the time. But I love the guy. You know, he, he could be off-putting to someone who does not see through this rough exterior, which fortunately I was able to. And I cherish that. One of my favorite memories of Patrick was that this one day, you know, it's the chorus. So we're always singing this, particularly the Christmas concert. We're always singing in, you know, 12, 15, 85 different languages. And one day he had had enough. Patrick had reached his breaking point. and just goes, Jesus Christ. If I have to learn any more languages, I'm going to need the fucking Rosetta Stone. I said, no, Patrick, you're going to be fine. Trust me, you'll be fine. By the way, Rosetta Stone is your new drag name. He's like, fuck that. And then, but no, not for that around. He was Rosetta Stone. And I missed you, Rosetta Stone. Why are you bringing this up so late? Well, I'm bringing it up because I learned a lot since now, since, since that announcement. Uh, about two weeks ago, his wife and his daughter came to rehearsal. Now, I knew he had been married. He had mentioned that to me. What I did not know was that he was still married. Even though his family knew and was supportive, he was of the old school. He was from, from days of yore where he was never comfortable with both either one of these circles of his life intermingling. And I don't know if I should even talk about it, but I just want to say they came in because we have a little ceremony that we do when one of our members passes by. We come, they, they came in and they spoke. And I got to speak to his daughter for a while and I pretty much just told her exactly what I told you, and I was happy to put some closure on that because not being, not knowing that I had lost a friend and not being at the service, and because normally when one of us passed, we, we go and we sing at the service and it just didn't feel right, but he didn't want that. But they came, they spoke, I spoke with them, and we sent Patrick off in traditional chorus fashion. There's a song that we always sing. In recent years, it's become our unofficial anthem of when our hymn to when one of our brothers has fallen. Now, it was only very, very recently that I learned the source of this song. The source of this song is the movie Harry and the Hendersons, which I never saw, which is about a big, lovable f Bigfoot creature. And this is very appropriate because I miss you, you big bumble. Patrick Dearborn, I love you. I miss you. The Patrick Club will never be the same. But thank you for being part of my life.